This is the Christian Life Center weekly podcast. Visit us online at MissoulaChurch.com. subject that I have titled to one one sermon, but it's called We Are CLC. Can you say that with me? We are, oh, it sounds so good, right? Uh, we are CLC. And I, I really want to talk to you about the, the DNA of, of what God has called us to do and to be as a church. So if you're visiting or you're new to our church, this is a great opportunity to be here today because you get to hear uh, about who we are. I wanna give you this one thing next week, starting next week, we are gonna start a long, well, somewhat drawn out series. Uh, we are actually gonna walk through the book of Romans together uh, as a church. And so I wanna encourage you, uh, next week we're gonna start this series on the book of Romans. You don't wanna miss that. Uh, I think I love Romans because Romans to me, when I sum it up, it's like, it, it's, uh, it's about bringing clarity in the midst of chaos. And there's a lot of chaos. I don't know if you know that or not, but there's a lot of chaos in our world. And, and sometimes we just need clarity. And so we're gonna talk about that together. But today I want to talk about the DNA of We Are CLC, our church. And I, I want to go a little old school with this three-word statement, but it really sums up with this. I believe this, we need revival. Um, we need revival. And, and, and in our lives, we need revival in our community. We need revival in our church. Uh, we need revival and absolutely we need revival in our nation. And uh, there is this decline that we see around us, absolutely. But I, I believe this, I still believe that something big is about to happen. That God is about to do something amazing in the midst of us. And as your pastor, I, I'd like to just speak honestly. Like I'm, I've been a little concerned with, with the church of Jesus Christ. And when I say that, I mean the big C church, but here's the reality, you and I are part of the big C church. And I've been a little concerned about it. It, it seems to be in chaos. and. And I see so many in our church world today where almost like fear is in their eyes. Followers of Christ like have this fear in their eyes and this, un, uh, uh, this thing of like I doubt and, and I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. Is this happening? And we kind of go back and forth. And the solution to that is what I wanna talk about today. We are CLC. And the church needs to experience revival. And the church, how many of you know, is us. Like it's not the building, it's not the property, it's not what we own, the church is us. So I'm talking about you, you need revival. We need an awakening in our lives. I wrote this down to be on the screen, but I, I really believe this. Revival will never happen within the culture until it first happens within the church. It's never gonna happen in the culture until it happens right here within the church, right? We want to change uh, the world so much. We wanna change everything out there. We don't like what we see, but God is challenging us to first change in here, to change in here before we can change out there. So there's so many definitions for revival. Uh, if you've been around church for a while, for years, especially if you've been around Pentecost, you, you've heard different terms of revival. Let me give you my definition of revival today. And it'll be on the screen, but revival is this, it's an awakening of God's people to their true passion and purpose. It's awakening of God's people to their true passion and purpose. Hear what I'm saying today. We've made revival so much about everyone else when really revival is about us. Like 
like any revival that you see throughout history that started, it always started from within. Like six people in New York having a prayer meeting together turns into thousands finding Christ. Like every revival you see back through history, it always started from within and spread from without. And I, I wrote this down, hear me this morning. The moral decline out there is a direct result of the moral decline in here. And you're like, ouch. <laughs> and I say that with all love and with all care. But my fear is that maybe we've allowed things in that we never should have allowed. Like disunity was never meant to be part of the church. You know, anger and bitterness and fighting, inner fighting was never me part of the church. And let me caveat and say, that's not happening here. I'm not preaching that because it's happening here. We're all good. We like each other for the most part. Some of you I like more than others, but no, I'm just joking. It's true. But I'm just saying, we've allowed, God has given us a standard and yet we still say, well, this is okay. And this is okay. And well, this is okay. And we've allowed things in and, and we wonder to ourselves, why the heavens are shut and the land is a mess. We wonder, well, why God? Well, here we go. Because we walk around here like this, like my big eye. We walk around with this, as Christians, with this magnifying glass, right? And we're, we're always looking for, man, look at all that mess out there. Look at their lives. Their lives is a terrible mess. And Boy, if only the world could change, if only they would do this, and if only we would do that. And we constantly have this magnifying glass that we're looking at everything. We're, man, oh, if only this would happen, no, that would happen. And oh, 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 we're looking around. But I, I tend to think this, the world, I wrote it down, the world will never improve until the church puts down the magnifying glass and picks up a mirror. Until we pick up a mirror and we look at ourselves, God, what are you trying to change in me? Like, what are you trying to show me? Like, it really begins with looking at ourselves. And so today I feel like one of the things that God has, has called me to do as your pastor is to fight for the unity of the church. Like, I'm, I'm proud of what God is doing in our church and I'm proud of what God has done in our church but I wanna fight for the continued unity of the church. In Psalms, you see where, where David, we have King David who was started as a shepherd boy and he now he's elevated to king over all of Israel. And you've got these 12 different tribes who've been functioning independently and now they're being united together. And, and David becomes the uni unified leader of these 12 tribes over these group of people. But the reality is there's a history there of these 12 tribes that are known for division and disunity, fighting amongst themselves. And David rallies them together and he gives them this prayer. And I want you to hear me this morning because I'm telling you, if there's one thing that you need to fight for in your life, in your family, in your job, in your church, it's for unity. You gotta fight for unity. And so David writes this Psalm in 133. He says this, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured out on the head, running down the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. Now you might ask yourself, well, who's Aaron? Well, in this particular scripture, Aaron in this passage was the representation of the priesthood. In other words, Aaron represents, it was the church. 
He represented the church and he says there is unity when things are done together. There's an anointing and a blessing when things are done together. And he goes on and writes, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion for there there the Lord bestows blessing, even life forevermore. Hermon was this mountain that's located in an area of a dry and desolate area, yet it flourished. This mountain had such lavish and green on it. And, And the question would be why? Because every day, every morning, there would be this dew that would fall on the ground in the middle of a dry and desolate place. Hear me this morning. You want the blessing of God in your life? You gotta fight for unity. You gotta fight to see God move in your life. You gotta fight to see God move in your church. And, And I believe this church, we are entering, I believe this for every church, but especially for us, we are entering a harvest season. And I just want us to be ready. I don't know about you, I just wanna be ready for whatever God wants to do in our church. I, want, I look out in this audience today, I was telling my wife during worship, which I shouldn't be talking during worship, so don't do what I do, all right? But I, I said there, I'm like, I don't recognize a lot of people in this room. That's a good thing. I want to recognize you, I want to get to know you, but I'm excited for the harvest that God's bringing to our place. And I wanna be ready for it. So I wanna help us uh, get on the same page today as a church. Uh, and if you're new, again, like I said before, this is, this, is, this is who we are. This is what we're about. And I hope it encourages you and answers a lot of questions. But the things that we will talk about today needs to be applied to your life. It needs to be applied to your family, to, to your church, to your marriage, to your workplace. Because I wanna give you quickly this morning, five values to live by. I wanna give you five values that will bring revival to your life and to your church. Five values that you can, you can ground yourself on, that, that you, we can ground our church on. Years ago, and I, I started my, uh, I had to do an internship when I was graduating from Bible college. And um, so I'm 22 years old, I'm in my junior year, getting ready to start my senior year. And they shipped me off to the country of Ohio. And uh, I'm like, I've never been to Ohio, never had a desire to go to Ohio. I mean, like, where is this place? So they, they ship me off, I go there, and, and within like a week of being here at my internship, supposed to be there for three months, all of a sudden, like, out of nowhere, I heard this pop in my back. And like, if you know what I'm talking about, it was like this immense pain that put me to my knees. Like, I couldn't move. Like, like I'm, I'm 22 years old, I'm not as old as you guys. Like, it shouldn't be happening to me. And here I am like following, and I'm like in this immense pain. And, and, and luckily the church has um, had this chiropractor that attended the church. And I had never been to a chiropractor before. I didn't know anything about it, but I'm like, I gotta do something. So I went there and obviously they did all these examinations and, and, and their response to me was this. They said, you are, you are so tight on one side of your back. Like all the strain is on this one side. In fact, they use the word, you are out of whack. Is that good? So, so because I'm out of whack, you are compensating on, on, on one side of your back. And, and basically they use this word, there is not an alignment. In other words, your back is not in unity with each other. So you gotta get aligned. So they put me on this table, board, whatever you wanna call it, bed, and they popped my back, right? You jumped on me up and down, like what is going on here, right? You guys know that pop sound? Oh, good, good. I have a video to show you, okay? So this is what it sounds like. Wow. Wow. 
You know what I'm talking about? Come on. Some of you lay up at night watching those videos, right? You know who you are. But that's, that's what, there, there was something about when things got out of alignment, right? I wrote this down this way because here's what I know. Unity produces strength. Unity produces strength. So if we are in alignment, if your marriage is in alignment, your family's in alignment, your job is in, and, and if your church is in alignment, guess what? It produces strength. And by producing strength, we are able to, to do more. We're able to accomplish more because we're in alignment. And that was, that was my whole issue. That's why I couldn't move is I was out of alignment. And, and we've got to fight for alignment in our lives and we've got to fight for alignment in our church. I wrote this down. This When we have the same values, we can accomplish a corporate vision. In other words, we can do some, some big things together when our values align. But sometimes that's what happens in the church is our values get out of whack. And so, so values, what are they? You're your thoughts, the, your values are those things that guide you, that, that lead your life. But hear me, without, without the same values, we'll always have a competing vision. In other words, you know, like we're always gonna be in competition with each other. You know, like, well, I mean, I wish pastor did, did his hair differently. I don't like it that way. You know, I wish he dressed differently. I wish they would sing this song. I wish that, you know, it becomes all about ourselves. We're competing with one another. Well, if only they would do this and only they would do that. And, and we, it, what's in this whole thing for me? And it begins to compete with one another. So it's important that we evaluate what's the values that we should live by and what's the values that our church should live by. And so I wanna give you something today to guide you to guide your life. Why? And if you're taking notes, you can write this down because this is so important. Because this is why. Because we believe a united church is the solution to a divided world. A united church is the solution to a divided world. It's a difficult world, right? Divided uh, views, divided beliefs, divided, divided all across the place. So why not the church come together? and be a united voice, a united front to take Missoula, Missoula County, the Bitterroot and beyond for the kingdom of God. Why not? Why not it be us? Jesus prayed it this way in John. He says, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one, as you, uh, as you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Our unity is about pointing to the fact that Jesus is who Jesus says he is. The world will believe in Jesus when the church unites around what we believe. When the church unites around what we are here for. Hear me, I wrote this way. The more we align, the more we can accomplish. The more we come together, the more we can accomplish. And I want us to accomplish so much. The kingdom of God must be advanced. It must be advanced. So let's get on the same page this morning, right? Let's get on the same page today as we go into this new year. I don't know if you know, but this is the last Sunday in January. Where did it go, right? Where did it go? And how many resolutions are still intact? But I want us to accomplish, we're going into this new year. What, what is it that's gonna guide us? What's gonna guide our lives? What's gonna guide our church? Values that you and I can live by, values that our church is to live by. So let, let's start right here. Uh, we believe this. Here's, let me give you the a value, number one. Value, Jesus is our answer. 
Here's our value. Jesus is our answer. I, I think it's important, church, let me, I think it's important to recognize this isn't a value, it's the first value. You hear me? It's not an A value, it's the first value. Jesus is our answer. In a world of just relativism, pluralism, everything goes, what's good for me is good for you, and the, that's not real. It's not a real solution. The real solution is that there is one solution. There is one answer for whatever you're going through in life, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I love the fun things that we get to do as a church. I love the direction we're going. I, I love all the things that we have and, and cool worship teams. And, and, and we've been working hard at that. We work hard at like branding ourselves and say, hey, listen, we just want people in the community to know who we are. I, I even have one of the stickers on my, my truck, you know, that says CLC Missoula. It makes me drive better. And um, so I have all this. I love all those things that we, we get to do, but, but, how, but that's not what this whole thing's about. Like, like, if you think it's about, you know, getting our name out and getting our brand out, if you think it's about the pastor's name being known, if you think it's about the cool worship team or whatever, if you think that's the goal, then you've missed it. This church is built off the idea that Jesus Christ is the answer for whatever our world or whatever you are going through today. That's who we are. Acts 4 says it this way, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Listen, that word salvation, what sometimes we think, well, that just means me accepting Jesus in my heart. Listen, that word covers a multitude of things. Salvation, yes, for your sins. Salvation, yes, for your mess. Salvation from the issues that you are going through. It means salvation from sickness. That's the salvation. And how many know all that is found in the name of Jesus? It really is. So I would say to you this morning, if you need forgiveness, it's found in Jesus. If you need healing, it's found in Jesus. If you need a fresh start in your life, it's found in Jesus. If you need power and strength in your life, guess what? It is found in Jesus. If you need a companion, Jesus is the friend that will stick closer than a brother. He's the answer. And so I write down this way, we can't proclaim to the world that Jesus is a way. We can't proclaim to the world that Jesus is a way in fact, it's the opposite. We must declare that he is the way. That Jesus is the way. The way to what we are going through, the way to heaven, the way to healing, the way to a life and life to the fullest. Jesus is the way. So hear me, church. So we preach Jesus. We celebrate Jesus. We make our lives and our church all about Jesus. And that's what we have to build on. Our families need to be built on Your families need to be built on that. Your jobs, your, your life, all, all needs to be built that, on the fact that Jesus is the answer. So when someone says to you, hey, you know, uh, what does your church have to offer me? I'm like, well, we have to offer Jesus. We have to offer, we offer Jesus because we believe he's the answer to a lost and dying world. He's the answer. Let me give you value number two. I love this one. Here's our value. Value, the Bible is our foundation. The Bible is and will be our foundation. On June 24th, 2021, at approximately 1.22 a.m., Champlain Tower South, a 12-story beachfront condominium in the Miami, Miami suburb of Surfside, Florida, partially collapsed. 98 people, 98 people 
There's a picture of it on the screen behind me. 98 people died. I don't know if any of you remember this story when it happened. When they did the research on, on why this happened, there were a multiple of reasons, but what started it all was the condominium's swimming pool. The swimming pool had a leak under, underneath it and, and, and the pool was actually set on top of the parking garage. And as it leaked bit by bit, it decroded uh, and the swimming pool collapsed into the parking garage. Now that should have been fine, but, but because it collapsed in the parking garage, they realized it did something deeper to the building, which made it collapse because underneath the building was a faulty foundation. That people who had built the building years and years before decided to cut corners to make things a little easier. And when they cut corners, they ended up not using as much rebar that goes into the concrete to make that foundation strong. They cut corners that didn't use as much of the rebar uh, that they should have. And because of that, when the pressure came on the building, the whole building ended up collapsing. 98 people died, a total, total disaster. And why, why? Because when the pressure came, it wasn't built correctly. When the pressure came, it wasn't built correctly. By the way, church, the building survived for decades and no one even knew that there was a problem until the pressure came. Welcome to some areas of your lives you thought you were stronger than you are. But when things started to collapse around you and you felt the pressure, when you felt the squeeze, you realized maybe our lives were built on something that it shouldn't be built on. Maybe my life's being built on feelings. Maybe my life's built on what I have and what I don't have. Maybe my life is built on, you know, am I happy or am I not happy? Maybe it was built on your friends or other relationships. Instead of being built on the rock, which is the word of God, that's what sustains us when the pressure comes. In fact, the Bible says it this way in Matthew 7. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundation on the rock. Foundation on the rock. We have to build our lives on something bigger than us because there are pressures that will come. There are temptations that are gonna come into your life. They're all gonna come around. The world is falling around us, but you and I can be secure in the fact that we have built our lives on something that is unchanging, that we are building our lives on something that will survive no matter what the world is going through. Help me hear me, the, the word of God will survive despite what the world throws at it. I'm just here to tell you that. I wrote it down this way. When culture is changing, we don't just believe God's word. We build our lives on God's word. We also believe it. We build our lives on it. Don't, we don't just think it's right. We build our life on it. So, so we, when we look through the scriptures and you see something that's different than the way you're currently living, can I encourage you? Don't change the scriptures to fit you. How about change you to fit the scripture? Change yourself. Watch what will happen when we build your life and we build our church on the word. Because when the pressures come, the, the building won't collapse. 
The building won't fall around us. Hear me. That's why we this year really launched this Bible reading plan. We're going to go through the Bible in a whole year. I don't know how many of you have done it or you've continued with it. I sure hope you have. If you haven't jumped into our Bible reading plan, you can still catch up. I promise you, you can catch it out. The Welcome Center, our Bible plan that we're going through together. But that's why we do this is because we want the Word of God to get inside of us. We want you to build your life upon it. God's Word is something to build your life upon. And that's why we do it. Let me challenge you with this. I wrote it down this way. Don't just go through the Bible. Let the Bible go through you. Don't just go through the Bible. Let the Bible go through you. Let it change you. Let it, let it speak to you. Let it challenge you. Let it direct your life. Hear me. Can we be students of the world, the word? This is why um, we do things at our church like Grow You on Wednesday nights. We do them throughout semesters. Every four weeks, we, we do a, a group and then we stop for a week, do another four weeks. And the reason we do that is because we want the word of God to get inside of you. And I'll be honest, as your pastor, this is like we're going in like, I think year and a half or whatever of do and grow you. And, and I, I'll be honest, I, I'm so thankful for the people who come out and grow to grow you on Wednesday nights. But I, I'll be honest, I'm a little disappointed. I, I would love to see more people get involved because this is about getting the word of God inside of you. Growing your foundation. Like we're gonna talk about discipleship. What's a, that's about getting your foundation. Like who's God created you to be? What does God's plan for your life is all found in discipleship. Esther, prayer, all these things. Can I encourage you? Listen, sign up today. Sign up out there. Welcome to today. I wanna make a commitment to say, I, I'm gonna grow myself in the foundations of God. Listen, bring your bratty kids, drop them off. If you have them, we'll let the kids, people deal with them for a little while. You go to grow you, grow yourself, grow in his words. You know, that's why next week we're, we're, we're starting the book of Romans because we've, we've got to know what God's word says for us. Hebrews 4 writes it this way, for the word of God is alive and active. Amen. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit. I love the picture joints and marrows like it's telling you it gets in there it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart this is what we need to live our lives this is what we need to build our lives on god's word is worth building your life on it's worth building your family on it's worth building your relationships on it's worth building your health on and it's worth building your hopes and your dreams on so we are a church that loves god's word we're just gonna love God's word. It's gonna be the foundation of what we do. We love God's words. We will apply God's word. We will practice God's word. In fact, some of your kids, if you have kids that are back there, guess what? They're memorizing God's word. We sing God's word. We defend God's word. We reflect on God's words and we will always, always, always preach God's word. We celebrate that God's word still change lives. And hear me, it simply needs to be part of your life. The Bible is the foundation to build everything on. Let me give you a third value. I love it. Third value for us and for us to see revival, third value for our church, third value for your life is simply this. Worship is our lifestyle. Well, worship is our lifestyle. When I, when I moved to Missoula two years ago, I realized that this is a city that loves to worship. And you say, what? Like, I don't see that. And I'm like, no, no, it's true. You go to a Grizz football game, they love to worship. You go to a Grizz basketball game, I sit with some rowdy worshipers at the football game. I'm telling you right now. And they go to our church, just telling you. But 
They go to Grizz basketball game, they love to worship. Hey, listen, sunny, warm day, the river is flowing, you love to worship. I'm just saying, the question is not, do you worship? The question is, are you worshiping the right things? Are you worshiping the right things? And I wanna make a point that our church is built on the fact that we love to worship. But not that we just love to worship, but we love to worship the right things. I want our families to worship the right things. I want our, our, us personally to worship the right things. John 4 says it this way, it says, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshiper the Father seeks. Now, you maybe you've heard that before. Hey, we wanna worship God in spirit and truth. Can I tell you what that means? Like when it, when it first talks about spirit, what it's basically saying is spirit is like passion, you excitement, it's, it's joy. I worship the Father in spirit and truth. Well, spirit is that passion and excitement. It, you know what it is? It's, it's, that, it's, what, it's what it takes to get that grown man to take his shirt off and paint his belly with his favorite team all over his chest. Like that's, that's the spirit we're talking about. I would love to see that spirit, that joy and excitement. Not that you take your shirt off and paint your belly when you come to church. We're not talking about that. That would be bad. But we want that passion here. But then, but it's not just enough to have excitement. It says worship him in spirit and truth. What is truth? Truth is this, something or someone real. Something or someone real, like worth worshiping. It's not enough to say we are excited, but to be excited about the right things. Jesus is real. It's not enough that as a church, we, we rally together on Sundays and we're like, woohoo, it's so great, ah. you know, we do all this kind of, that's, it's not enough of that. No, we, we worship the true thing. We worship the God of the universe. We, we, we give him praise and worship for what he's done in our lives, right? That's why we worship. That's why worship is a big deal as a church. And hear me, church, I wanna tell you this. Worship is not just about singing. Let, let me give you some things that worship is. We worship God with our mouth, absolutely. We worship him with our mouth. We open our mouths and we worship him. We worship God with our attitudes. How's your attitude? You worship God with your attitude. We worship God with our excellence. That's why we do screens. That's why we say, if you're gonna be on our team, you can at least have to be able to play the instrument, right? Uh, that's why we do what we do because we want things to be done with excellence because we believe that excellence not only shows value to you, but it shows value to God. We worship God with our money. Listen, we don't give money. That's a, that's a terrible way to say it. We don't give money. You know what? We worship God through our tithe. We don't give it away. We worship God with it. Like it should be a joy to give money because it's worship. It's giving back to him. And then we, we worship God with our talents. Like you have giftings that God has given you and you should worship him with those talents that he's given you. I love finally what 1 Corinthians 10, 30 says. So, whatever, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Every single thing that we do is worship unto the Lord. It's a lifestyle we live. So when people look at you and they're like, why are you so different? Or like, why are you so dedicated to this church and worship thing? You just say, because 
worship is not a random once a week thing that I do. It's a lifestyle. It's what I do all the time. I live for God because he is worthy of your praise. Hey, can we take five seconds and let's just give the Lord praise. Come on. If you've never done it before, he is worthy. Come on. God, you are worthy of our praise and our honor this morning. Come on. He is worthy of it. Worthy of it. Let me say this other thing about worship as a church. This might hurt some of you. I don't mean to, but this is why we don't worship like this. Who's this over? That's why, that's why we don't do that. We don't do that at our church. This is why we don't worship like it because we just believe that God is worth more than that. He is worth more than that. He's done too much for you. And I know some of you would say, well, it's just not my personality. It's just not who I am. I'm like, well, is it though? Like really, is it? Because think about what you are passionate about. Think about the things that do get your worship. Think about the thing, what does it, what does it, what do other things get from you? What other people and things get from you more than what you give here? And because he, here's what I know, none of those people or things died for you. None of those things died for you. How many know none of those things that you're passionate about paved a way into heaven for you? Jesus did. Jesus gave you purpose and he gave you life. And as, as people walk through these doors, they come into our church, I want them to see a church that, I don't want them to see a church like this. <laughs> or like, oh, I hope they play a song I really like. I don't like all these songs they're doing. Can I say something to you? Who cares? Who cares? It's not about you. It's about him. It's not about you. It's about him. And I'm hoping we get more extravagant. I'm hoping we get a little more passionate in the fact that we get to praise a God. We get to worship a God who is worthy of all of our praise and all of our worship. So can I encourage us to make it a value? Let's give him our best. Let's give them our best. It's not that hard to do. I don't care. I mean, I'm not saying you have to raise your hands, but, but maybe like move a little bit. Sway every now and then, you know? Smile. Be happy you're here. Uh, at least pretend like it. Like, let's, let's just be those people. Let's give God our, our best, right? All right, number four, let me give you this other value. Value, here it is. Community is our commitment. Community is our commitment. This is why we don't stay home. This is why we don't, we, we don't stay disconnected. This is why we are involved in the life of the church, right? And, and hear me, church, I understand. This, is, this one's hard, right? Because God, how many know, God is easy to love, but people are difficult. Amen? Listen, I mean, let's be honest. Some of y'all are sitting next to that difficult one right now. Say amen. I dare you. We all have that one person in our life. Maybe you have two, I don't know. But we all have that one person in our life. By the way, by the way, let me help you out. If you don't know who they, that one person are, is, or you say, I can't find anyone like that, it's probably you. Just kidding, but it probably is. How many know people can be, can be difficult, but we desperately need them? We need people. 
We need the community, the body of believers. It's a commitment that we make. Acts 4, Acts 2, 46 says, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts, get that, and they broke bread, not salad, bread in their homes all together with glad and sincere hearts. Can I teach you something this morning? It'll be on the screen. Every Christian needs a commitment to a big group corporate worship and a smaller group intimate discipleship. You see that? Teaching you. Every Christian needs a commitment to the big group, the corporate worship, and a smaller group intimate disciple. I'm just encouraging you, make it a point. If you're here single, I, or your family, or us, you need to get to worship every week. Just, you need to do it. But we also need those groups of connection, right? We need both. We need what we have here and we need those smaller intimate groups. And you know, here's the good news. We are CLC and we have them for you. If you're a woman in here, guess what? We have one group. If you're men, we have men group. If you're 55 plus, we have a group for that. Uh, if you, we have Grow You, which is a great opportunity to meet people and grow yourself. If you're a young adult, 20 something, early 30s, we have a group for you. If you're a kid or you're youth, we have something for you. And now if you are a mommy, we have a group for you. Like we, there is a place for you to get involved in that intimate group together. I want you to notice something about this scripture that I didn't notice until I put this together. Notice it said they were in the house to house and the temple. So when I think of the early church, when they were a church that were in the temple, the big setting, and they were in the house, the intimate setting. That's how the church grows. That's how the church sees revival. I wrote down this way, the church must get larger because lost people matter. The church must get larger because lost people matter. We can't be content with where we are right now. I've lived my whole ministry life with this quote that I, I think it's mine, I'll take claim for it. But I believe it in my heart. I believe if it's not growing, it's not godly. If it's not growing, it's not godly. Why? Because God doesn't deal in dead things. He only deals with life. And if we're not growing, we gotta question ourselves, is it godly? We have to be reaching people, right? And it's not about building our church and building tons of people and getting all these people in the seats. It's not about that. It's about building a big church with people on mission. On mission, like inviting your friends, inviting your coworkers, inviting your neighbors and your families to church. We have to see the church grow because lost people really matter to God. But let me add another side to it. The church must keep getting smaller because you matter. Because you matter, right? You, hear me in the church, you have a purpose. You have a destiny and you can't get lost in the crowd. I'm speaking to some of you today. And that's very easy to do here at CLC. It is so easy to slip in and slip out. Slip in and sleep out. But I believe the way that you can really see your life transformed when you really can see all that God has for you is when you make the firm commitment to community, to being together. And I'll just say this, the best way to get there is to serve. And we have tons of ways to serve. We, you know, we have QR codes that all over your seats you can get it on. You can go to a welcome center. You can go to our website. You can get involved. Hear me. It's not about the fact, you need to get this. It's not about the fact that the church needs it. It's not even about the fact that the church needs you. It's about the fact that you need it. It's not what the church needs, it's what you need. And you need this. Get on a team and watch how God will use you. 
increase your territory and make you live life to the fullest. I hear it all the time, you know, people say to me, you know, well, I just didn't feel connected to the church. I just didn't feel connected. And I said, well, where did you serve? I didn't have time for that. I didn't really serve. Oh, so so did you go to any of the classes, like grow you or anything? No, I just, I I never take part of that. Well, did you ever check into membership, be a part of the church? And I'm like, well, what else did you think you were going to get connected with? Like you have to involve yourself in the community. I'm encouraging you as us a church, commit to community. Watch how God will use your life. So let me finish this last one. Jesus is our answer, right? That's a value. The Bible is gonna be our foundation. It should be your foundation. It's a value. Worship is our lifestyle, uh, a commitment to community. Let me give you this last one. Another value is simply this. People are our pursuit. People are our pursuit. This is a value for us to live by. It's a value for you to live by. To say, you know, I'm basically gonna take my life and I'm gonna use my life to point people to God. How I respond, how I act, how I carry out, how I'm committed to the church, all points people to something that you serve that is greater than yourself, which is God. And hear me this morning, we can't, we are CLC, and we can't apologize about what we do here to reach people because people really matter to God. They really matter to God. And hear me, people are really lost without Jesus. If you're here today and you don't have Jesus in your life, we love you. I believe you're here by divine appointment. That's kind of a weird Christian term. You're just here, okay? So, but you're here, but the reality is without Jesus in your life, you're lost. You're just, you're lost. And we need to, to, to feel his heart. We need to feel Jesus' heart. And you know what his heart is? That which is lost must be found. That's his heart. That which would be lost must be found. We have to be on mission as a church. And if you're taking notes, I want you to get this this morning. Hear me, be on the screen. People who are left to themselves usually make life about themselves. People who are left to themselves usually make life about themselves. How do I feel? What did they say? How did they do this? I don't like this. I don't like that. We make life about our, we're left to ourselves. We make life about ourselves, and, and that's the issue. The issue is when you, when you get off mission, when you, when you lose focus, when the values come down, there's no way we can have revival because we sit back and go, well, what about me? You know, what about my 401k? What about what I have in the bank? What about my contentment? What about my happiness? What about my desires? I'm probably the killer of the church. What about my preferences? And that's why sometimes, periodically as Christians, we have to recalibrate sometimes. Like sometimes we have to have these talks to remind ourselves that it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about others. And it's about what God can do in their lives and in your lives. So I'll close with this thought. I want you to get this this morning. All of eternity, all of eternity, we're gonna be able to celebrate Jesus. What a great value. All of eternity will be about the reality of God's word. All of eternity, we will be worshiping God. So if you don't like to sing, you better learn you're gonna spend eternity worshiping God. And get this, all of eternity, we're gonna to be together. So you better learn to like each other now because <laughs> we're gonna to be together for all of eternity. But hear me, 
The fifth one, this value that we're talking about, you can't do anymore in eternity. Like the fifth one, reaching others is the only thing that we can never do in heaven because there's no lost people in heaven. So here's my challenge for all of us in this room. Let's get on mission. Let's point other people to Jesus. I love how Jude writes it this way. Jude 1 says, be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. I mean, what a, what a visual, what a picture. But here's what I know, because heaven and hell are realities. Heaven and hell are realities. Because of that, we must continue to do everything short of sin to reach people for God. We as a church, we have to do everything short of sin to reach people for God. I don't know who the friend is in your life. I don't know who the family member is. In your life. I don't know who the coworker is. I don't even know who the neighbor is, but I, but I know that it needs to be a value of your life to pursue people. So how do we pursue them? Let me give you three quick ones. Hey, how about we just pray for them? I mean, that's simple. I encourage you to go home tonight if you haven't already and you make a list like, hey, every week I'm gonna pray for somebody new. I guarantee every one of us have somebody on a list that we can pray for. Make a list, just pray for them. How, how about this one? How do we pursue them? How about invite them to church? Literally, folks, I know you think that that's really hard. It's really not that hard. In fact, studies after study after study shows that when people ask, what brought you to church? How did you come here? The number one answer is someone invited me. Someone invited me. Just a simple invite to church changes everything. And here, I would say this, you do what you can do, which is, which is invite someone. You do what you can do, and, and, and I'll do what God has uniquely gifted me to do, which is to present the gospel every week. And, and listen, it's not like my job is more important than your job or your job is more important than my job. Guess what, it's a partnership. You invite them and I can promise you that Pastor Britton and the team will be here and they'll lead us in worship. I can promise you that we will have a thought out word, biblical foundation word to give you. I can promise you with a coffee, with sheet place will be open so you can get your coffee. The fireplace will be on if it's not summer. I mean, I'm just saying, we'll, we'll have it. You bring it, we'll do the work. You just invite them and allow God to speak through the experience here. Let me give you the last one. Uh, how do we pursue them? How about just share what God has done for you? just share what God has done for you. How many of you know, no one can argue the reality of what God's done in your life. Like you could, you could sit and debate the word and scripture, you can do all they want, but no one can debate the reality of what God has done for you. Share with them what God has done for you, how good he's been to you. And I just believe this, no matter what, where you're at in life and you sit in this room today, God has been good to you. He's been good to us. And so this morning, let me go back for just a moment to the beginning. And let me just remind us all, it all starts with you. Revival starts with us. And I believe this, we can't change everyone, but we can change ourselves. Let me say it again, we can't change everyone, but we can change ourselves. Like in other words, you can have a personal revival. Man, and when you have that person where I watch how it has spread to every area of your life, every person in your life, it, it, it'll be amazing. In fact, I wrote, uh, there was a Bridget, Brit, British evangelist, his name was Gypsy Smith. It'll be on the screen, but Gypsy Smith once asked his audience, 
do you really want to see a revival begin? When the people said yes, Gypsy replied, then go back to your home and draw a circle around you on the floor. Then get down on your knees in the middle of the circle and ask God to convert everybody inside the circle. When you do that and God answers, you are experiencing the start of revival. Come on. I I would encourage you today when you leave church or tomorrow, go somewhere and find a circle. Mine's a hula hoop. Go somewhere and find that circle, right? I would encourage you, man, our church, get together, man, you draw that circle. And every morning you get up and you find yourself in the middle of that circle. We're like, God, transform everyone inside the circle. Convert everyone inside the circle. God, use the person inside this circle. God, transform and change the person inside this circle. How about every day we create a personal revival in our lives? And as we begin to change ourselves and we begin to say, God, you can use every part of the person in this circle. Watch how God will expand the territory. In fact, I started thinking about it. I was like, man, imagine this. Wow, this is crazy. Imagine, I'm just crazy enough to believe that if God can consume and God can transform everything in that circle, like if God can use it, transform everything in that circle, man, I get excited. What, imagine when all these little circles come back together. Come on. Imagine when all the circles in the church come back together. Like when we all bring our submitted hearts, when we all bring our transformation, our changes back to this place. Wow, let's talk about revival. Let's just talk about the experiences. Let's talk about the transformation. Let's talk about the passion that can happen in the room when all of us bring our little circles back to this place we have sat alone and say, God, change me. God, use me. God, transform me. Boy, it'll impact our church, impact our communities, impact our families. I, I say this all the time, but I believe it. When we do our part, God will do his part. When we do our part, God will do his part. And I just believe God's taking CLC. We are CLC. And I just believe that God is mobilizing an army to advance the kingdom of God. And that's what it's all about. Listen, I I close with this last thought. Revival has happened throughout history. It's documented. It has happened throughout history. And when I sit back and I pray and I seek the Lord, I sit back and say, why not now? Happened throughout history. It's happened before. Why not now? And not just why not now, why not here? Why not here? But it begins with us. It begins with you and me. Building our lives on these values that say, God, we're gonna make you the center of everything. It's about you and I drawing that circle and every day saying, God, use me. Every day saying, God, let it begin with me. So Lord, today, right now in this place, I pray that you would help us as a church. God, that... uh, right there where we're sitting today, that we would make it a personal altar, that we draw an imaginary circle in that place that we are gonna sit, in that place we're standing right now, 
and we would make it our prayer, God, convert me, transform me. God, use me. Lord, help me to build values in my life that Jesus is the answer, that God, your word will be foundation in my life, that worship will be a lifestyle, that God, I'll be committed to the community that you've set before me, and that God, I will pursue people. At the core of that is revival. Revival for us personally, revival for our church, for our community. So we draw that circle around us today. Create an altar in our seats.
pray that over your people today, may we walk out of this place and create circles in our, in our lives to say, God, examine me, convert me, change me. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed, no one looking around, please, we just want to take a moment. If you're here today, you're just like, you heard this whole talk and, and you're, you're, you could be that person that we're pursuing. Maybe you're here today and, and you haven't really accepted Christ or you're not living for the Lord or maybe at some point you have and you're just kind of on that in that place of like okay what's next I could go either direction and here's your opportunity uh, to say God I want to give you my life I, I want to serve you with my whole heart and uh, with no one looking around we're not going to embarrass you this is just between you and God and, and where you are but I want to pray for you and right there in your seat if you'd say that's me you know I, I need to find Christ I need to let Christ be the answer for my life if that's you today, would you just put your hand up, put it back down. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Come on, real quick. Anybody else I'm praying for? Lord, right now, we just come before you. We lift up any of those who today say, I just want to make Christ my everything. I want to make him my answer. And Lord, right now where we're sitting, all of us in this room can say this prayer. We can just say, Lord, come into our hearts and, and save us. Come into my life. Forgive me. Help me to live for you. Help me to realize, Jesus, that you are the answer. You are the one I need. And so, Lord, right there where we are, and I pray that we would make that our prayer. We create that initial circle that just says, God, convert me, change me, help me to live for you. Lord, I just pray blessings upon your people today. May your face shine upon them. May you watch over us. God, we are excited for the days ahead. Help us all to walk with that enthusiasm and that excitement. Pray, God, that we'd realize that truly you are the answer. So there may be people today in this church that are walking through things, that are facing difficult situations that we don't even know about. But God, the reality is you do. And so will we submit every person here today that just needs God to show up? I pray, God, that you will. That you'll show up in their lives. That you'll be the answer that we're looking for. We love you today. We honor you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, Pastor Steve is here, Pastor Matt. If you want prayer, personal prayer, they'll be on the sides over here. We'd love to pray with you. Uh, sign up at the Welcome Center uh, for Bloom and, and, and grow you. And we look forward to seeing you next Sunday. This is the Christian Life Center weekly podcast. Visit us online at missoulachurch.com.